Hey guys, welcome to the Stiff Shaft Podcast. I'm your host, Longboat Dan, and today's guest is Dwayne Martin. If you guys haven't heard about him, he's been a very competitive archer for, I'd say, the past 8 to 10 years in the ASA, IBO, and pretty much anything indoor with traditional archery equipment and even bare bow. Dwayne, how you doing? I'm great, Daniel. How are you? Good. How's everything been? It's just rolling right along. You, uh... Are you going stir crazy without Lancaster or anything? You know, I uh, I really enjoy the people at Lancaster. I, I will be honest, I'm not a uh, I'm not a huge fan of shooting dots. It's a necessary evil, unfortunately, for most of us 3D shooters. You know, to keep our form in check. But uh, no, I didn't I didn't miss the practice that you have to give Lancaster or Vegas this year at all. I was glad to have a year off, so to speak. Yeah, I, for anyone that's never shot like a, a, a real 300 round timed and, and scored, it's taxing. It's very taxing and it's uh, very hard on the brain. <laughs> it's tough. It is. Yeah, it, it, it's it's mentally, uh, <laughs> it's, it's abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> it hard. nothing but abuse. Yeah, that's good. So I... What I'm trying here to do with the Stiff Shaft podcast is, you know, try to get as much information to just kind of help people understand certain things. And for a lot of guys that are interested in trad worlds and whatnot, I've talked about it with Cody Greenwood on the podcast. Uh, you know, there's it's a different ball game than just setting up a normal hunting rig, which you can do it, but if you set your st- equipment up right. Um, there can definitely be some advantages to it. So I kind of want to talk about uh, bow setup first. Um, I know you're shooting the CD. Are you shooting the 29 or are you sticking with the 27 or what are you shooting these days? No, I've been shooting the uh, 29 for the past year or two since we brought it out. Okay. And then are you running long limbs on that or? No, I run a medium. I've never shot medium limbs in my life off of anything. But the 29, for me, I just like a medium better off the 29 versus a long. Does that make a set? Is that a 70 inch bow then? Is that what that would make? Or no, 29 with long. I'm um, I'm sorry, 29 with mediums makes a 74. 74 inch. Okay, big bow. Long bow. Yes. Yep. Um, when when it comes to uh, setting it up. You're running three under, right? Correct. Are you doing any crazy knock high or anything like that? No, I let my bear shaft, you know, I, I don't gap shoot no more when I shoot a bear bow. Right. So I bear shaft everything and I let my bear shaft tell me where my knock point needs to be. Now, I guess the question for me is when you're bear shafting a bear bow rig, are you finding your uh, middle of the road crawl? and then doing it, or are you doing it at every single crawl? No, I, I use, you know, normally, you know, because the biggest thing I compete for right now is just trying to make that USA archery team. Uh-huh. And they use a 30-meter max distance, which is 33 yards. So, you know, I don't like my point on. My point on right now is probably 35, 36 yards. Uh and what I do for bear shaft, you know, I know practicing with IBO, shooting IBO, I like to bear shaft at about 27 yards because I know that's where most of my shots with IBO was going to be, you know, somewhere 25 to 30. That's cool. So I, I, I bear shaft at 27, and then I know when I crawl down the string, let's say to 15, I know I'm going to show up a little bit stiff, so I change my string blur. And then if I'm beyond 27, like 33, I know I'm going to show up a little bit weak, which would be right. So I change my string blur, or I simply aim off a little bit. I gotcha. And for you guys that don't know what string blur is, if, if you hold the bow vertical, straight up and down like a target shooter, you can very, very clearly see string in your vision if you're if you're gapping or if you're string walking um most guys that can't the bow unless you can get your eye right over it a little bit more cheek pressure sometimes it can be harder to see but string blur is something very 
Uh, it's, it's, it's an advantage to have, especially if you can use it properly. Correct. Uh, it, it's actually, it's kind of just like having your rear sight, you know, it's, uh, it's another, it's another sight. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I didn't used to use string blur so much, uh, but now that, you know, my face, I'm, you know, I'm getting older, I'm 50 years old and I lose weight and I gain weight and my face changes and, you know, if I'm not, you know, most right-handed shooters, if you're not paying attention, you will always veer left. You will always shoot left. And either because you've collapsed the shot or you're not paying attention to string blur. But, you know, that's a big part. I check string blur twice on every shot just simply to make sure I'm exactly where I want to be. I, I got that. That's cool. That's cool you're checking it twice. Uh, I mean, you can never be too sure where it's at. Um, that's wrong. When you're setting up, do you do anything different with your tiller? Or you, you try to keep it pretty even, or you know, when I for uh, str string walking, I shoot a zero tiller. Okay. And when I used to gap shoot, I used to shoot a eighth inch positive. But when I shoot indoors, fixed distance like twenty yards. I will always shoot at least an eighth of an inch positive because I don't like to string walk for indoors. I like to set my bow up where I can be point on at like 21 yards. So then are you that just lollipopping the yellow, the 10 ring then? Correct. Yep. Okay. The tip of my arrow was right there at six o'clock, either in the white or the yellow. Now, when, when you're using the tip of your arrow, have you found a specific field point or anything like that that helps you uh, see it better? Because I know sometimes you, the, the, the tips that you buy out of your regular store are, are black or darker co in color. Um, and when you shoot a lot of ASA and IBO and you get in the tree line, sometimes it likes to disappear on you. Uh, have you found one that helps you see it in all lights and everything like that as far as you know, everything everything that i've noticed when i look down the arrow you know pretty much all i'm seeing is you know the the, the outline you know the top half of the arrow mm -hmm. so you know uh, the the tip whether it's stainless or tungsten or black or steel or whatever truly i can rarely see it unless you know i'm shooting point on and my eyes way above the arrow which you, rarely happens to be honest with you uh, some of the other guys that's got a real low anchor and a real long point on then you know they can probably use that tip a little different but I, I truly can't even see my the tip of my arrow okay when I, when I shoot so you're just looking right over the top of it basically just that pretty much up. I just kind of gun barrel yep. down the top Cool. Are you uh uh when you're when you're gapping are you or when you're aiming like that are you doing a hard focus on target soft focus on the tip or how do you look at it? You like know, that? it all depends on the distance. You know, the the further the further away that you know, for me, if I'm shooting a a, a target that's max distance, you know, the the target is more clear than the arrow versus a target that's up close let's say 12 yards then it seems like you know it may be a, you know a little bit vice versa but you know if the arrow was not really close to the target you know both of those can't be in focus one's got to be blurry one's got to be in focus right uh you know i can pretty much blur out the arrow and just see it like in my peripheral just like pointing you know, you can you can hold your left arm out and point at something in the distance, and whatever's in the distance will be in focus. You can point at it with your finger. Your fingers want to be blurry, but you still know where to put it. You still can see where to put that tip of the you know tip of the arrow or tip of your finger. Right. No, that's good. Uh, so I, a lot of guys for. Uh, you know, traditional class are starting to gap shoot. Um, when you when you did gap shoot, did you set your bow up at a twenty yard point on, or did you try to keep it more like closer to max? When I gap shot, it all depended on what 
competition I was shooting. Like ASA, Norm's a little bit closer. They have a 25-yard max. So, and on average, their average 3D shot was 18 to about 23 yards on average. So I would set it up, you know, to play the odds. If I thought my average shot was 20 yards, I would set my gap up maybe at 22 if I could get it that low. Uh, I never have worried about shooting a real fast bow. I've always liked heavy arrows. I don't shoot a ton of poundage. I normally shoot about 40 pounds, maybe 42 at the most. And, you know, I just, to me, I like a workable gap. Uh, Seems like every time I used to set a bow up with a really fast arrow that my gaps was always, to me, unworkable. You know, I, I don't, I never understood, and maybe... I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Maybe I'm not smart enough to understand it, but I never understood if your point, if your average target is 30 yards, why would you ever set a bow up with a 50, 60, 70 yard point on? To me, it just makes no sense. Yeah, um, it and it's if you're shooting split finger, you know, or you're shooting a really low anchor, that's that's a pretty easy point on to achieve. Well, it is. You're exactly right. It is easy to, especially split finger. I mean, it's 60, 70 yards all day. You know, especially if you're shooting anything over 45 pounds. You know, I've always, like most of my hunting setups are, my point on is right at the 35 to 40 yard mark. And uh, I grew up watching, you know, you and, Jimmy Blackman was pretty much the only guy online that was talking about gap shooting. So for some reason, I've kind of stayed with that larger gap at the 20-yard mark. It's just a lot e- I'm a lot better at the 25 to 35-yard range for, versus the, yeah, the closer in targets. And that's just because I've got a an 18-inch gap. I mean, my 18-inch gap goes from 12 to like 26 yards, but it's a large gap compared to... 26 to 35. Right. Yeah, when I hunt, you know, when I hunt with a, I used to hunt all the time with a Black Widow, 62-inch Black Widow, 50 pounds, you know, about a 600-grain arrow, my point on was 24 yards. And I was gap shooting, somewhat instinctive. Mostly, to be honest, I was using split vision. And I won... A tremendous when I used to gap I told everybody it was gap and it was gap how I understood it but to be honest with you it was probably more pick a point slash split vision than about anything else when you so when you're doing split vision you know were you ever using uh, like the estimate like Jim Paul talks about gapping uh, at the target versus if I remember right, Jim Paul is talking gapping at the target versus gapping from the tip of your arrow. Um, Correct. Did, Jim gaps at the bow. Yeah. Jim gaps at the the arrow. Yep. Um, is is that how you do it, or do you did you measure gaps at the uh, target? I gapped at the uh, the target. Yeah. So if I knew, you know, you you got to be very versatile. If, if, if you go out on a course, especially a big type competition, and your method is not working, let's say you've been usually shooting instinctive, or you've been shooting pick a point, or you've been shooting gap, or split vision, or whatever, and for whatever reason that day, you know, you drunk too much coffee, or whatever could be the problem, you know, you have to be able to change midstream and for me when I used to gap before I started stream walking one method that I could always depend on never changing was pick a point and when I walked up to a target I judged the distance I did the math I put the tip of the arrow exactly where I knew it's supposed to be and I simply quit holding the bow. I simply let it go. 
and it wasn't my favorite way to shoot the bow. My favorite way was always split vision. But pick a point for me was always the most consistent that I know I could get inside the tent ring. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. A lot of people, um, with either with course management or, pe- or fatigue or people getting tired, uh, sometimes people will switch it up like mid-course. And I've done that myself in my earlier years, trying to figure out which method was going to be better. And it usually makes me tank because I'm not sticking to something. Um, right. But because, you know, if you're willing to switch, it means you have to know what you switch to. You, know, you have to know, you know, if you, if you start out shooting instinctive and it ain't working, and then you go to a designated uh, pick-a-point type, and then it ain't doing as good as you was hoping, and then you're going to switch it up to a split vision, you have to know all three of those. And, you know, for me, I can shoot instinctive. I was shooting my longbow last night in the backyard, and I can shoot instinctive really well about 50% of the time. You know, I was shooting a target last night at 22 yards, which was just about my point on with my longbow wood arrow. I was sitting there shooting a black cat, 22 yards, instinctive, and I shot three arrows in about a four-inch group. I was tickle pink. I mean, that was, to me, that's good shooting. Are you shooting? What, what, I, what arrows are you shooting? It's a wood, uh, 52 pound spine made by Elite. Okay. But I went from a black cat to a Corsican ram up on the bank behind a little bit of brush. And the brush wasn't blocking the shot the exact same distance. I'm going to show you how stuff will fool with you if you don't consciously think about it. I pulled up, first shot, I missed the target high. I'm like, really? And then I pulled up, made the exact same shot, of course, missed the target again. And I'm like, okay, I can't do that because you know you can't keep missing targets with wood arrows. You don't have any left. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's the same distance. I'm like, I should be holding for 22 yards. I should be holding about a four, three to four inch gap. And I was holding up inside the tin ring and I just was blowing over top its back. So I dropped it to where I knew I needed to be, which was down in that brush line, kind of at the bottom of the, the armpit of the animal. And the last shot, we just went right there in the tin ring like it's supposed to. But for me, shooting instinctive is fun. It's not very accurate for me. Some people can do it. I can't. Uh, but, I'll, you know, throughout a course, especially with a longbow, man, I'll, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll shoot 10 different ways, and that's probably why I don't score so good shooting longbow. Yeah, you, you know what, I was going to ask you, longbows are kind of making a comeback. Uh, are we ever going to see Dwayne with one, or? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I enjoy shooting a longbow and a wood arrow, I really do, but I've got all the you know, I got all the respect in the world for the guys that know how to shoot a longbow and do it well, like Dave Wallace, Trevor, Calvin, Paul McCarg, those guys. Uh, but no, I, I don't. I enjoy shooting a longbow, but I don't want to have to shoot one every day. Yeah, they can be different. A lot of the the, the longbows, though, like they're they're getting pretty fancy. I mean, they're as far as being a target rig or the target oh, version. Yes, they are. Yeah, I've got a couple uh, hunting-type longbows, uh, and now I've got a, I just bought a new 10X uh, from Tolkien, and you know, that's that's an awesome bow. It's, it's, a, it's a target, 68-inch, fairly heavy mass weight. It's a little over two pounds. Uh, phenomenal speed. I mean, that bow shoots like, it's ridiculous how good it shoots. Now, when, when it comes to speed, you said earlier you're shooting a, a relatively slow slow arrow as far as for your tournament rigs. Are you are you trying to, like, are you just using the heavy weight to slow your bow down to get your gap where you want to, or it's just what yeah. feels right? 
Yep, I've always shot a heavy arrow. You know, when I shot wood uh, out of my recurve, when I first started shooting competition, I shot black widow bows with wood arrows. You know, the most I would ever shoot was 175 feet a second. And, you know, when I went to uh, several years ago, about three years ago, I won every ASA I shot that year and every IBO I shot that year. And I'm not saying that to brag or anything. I really didn't know what speed I was shooting because it didn't matter. My gaps were very manageable. You know, I shot point on from about 22, 23 yards all the way out to about 27, 28 yards. I held a little bit high at 30. I held a little bit high and low at 20. And we're at an ASA shoot one day, and they've got a chronograph set up. Everybody there, the barebow guys, shoot their bow through the chronograph. And, you know, this guy steps up. He's shooting like 218. And then another guy steps up, and he's like 199. And I step up, and I'm shooting 171 feet a second. And it kind of surprised me, because I figured I was 185 to 190. But I won everything I shot that year because my gaps were so manageable. You know, if I could guess my yardage within two or three yards, I mean, I was always in the 10 range, always. Yeah, I think uh, range estimation, I mean, it's half the equation, right? Shooting is part of it, but you got to, especially if you're going to be a gapper or string walking, you got to know distance. Um, Yep. You know, gap shooting, because well, I gap shot for years, gap shooting is much more forgiven, but less accurate. Yeah. You know, gap shooters, for me, I could always hit the 10 ring. It was never an issue being out of the 10 ring. But if I hit the 11, it was luck. Where straight walking, I'm always aiming at the 11. And if I can get my yardage, you know, I can always be right around it. Um, but, yeah, gap shooting is much more forgiving. Street walking is much more accurate. Yeah, I was watching last year. It was you and uh, that kid, Danny. Um, Daniel Collins. Or Daniel, yeah. I, I mean, it, that was pretty impressive shooting. I mean, it was... You know, Daniel's a beast to his age, yeah. and, uh, you know, Daniel's a good kid, which is what's most important, uh, but he's a phenomenal shot, uh, he works hard, he's got a great method, uh, you know, he, he gave me, he beat me at the Trad Worlds for one of the shoot downs, and then I lucked up and beat him uh, for the, the buckle. But no, Daniel's Daniel was worthy competition of anybody. He's gonna be something else, you know, in the next probably decade or two. He's gonna be something else, that's for sure. Yeah. He's gonna be someone to try to beat, that's for sure. He's a he's a stud. I, I shot with him in the, the hunter course and that kid can he can shoot really well. He can hammer. I mean he has proven uh, you know, he can shoot indoors, he can shoot three D, he can shoot field. I mean, he is just, he got such, you know, he got, and, and you know, uh, you know, Daniel's a great kid, number one, but, you know, Daniel has, you know, he's got long arms, he's young, he's got good vision, he's got plenty of strength, you know, he's got everything that a lot of us old guys are losing, yeah. uh, but, you know, he's going to be somebody we're going to have to beat for yeah. a long time if, if if we want to win anything else. Yeah, let's just let's just hope that some girl pulls him away from it for a little bit. That's all we can hope for. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as competitive archery goes in the 3D world, where, where do you think it's going? I mean, I Trad Worlds, the first time I went was 2012. Uh, and then compared to last year, even with COVID, I mean, it looks like it's blown up quite a bit and it's really impressive. The reason I got into shooting 3d was because, you know, just trying to become a better hunter. 
Right. You know, I, I could learn how to pattern deer and, you know, get a decent buck under my tree stand, and then I would miss him. Well, shooting's well, part of the equation. Yeah, that's that's probably the right. biggest thing. you got to be able to hit it. you got to be able to hit it. You know, it's not like if you're shooting a gun where you just put a scope on it and pull the trigger. Yeah. But, you know, and, yeah, I think 3D is uh, very popular. To me, it's still... In my mind, it's still the ultimate uh, test of accuracy. I mean, no, we're not standing there 20 meters or 70 meters shooting a three-inch circle, but 3D is so much more. You know, you have to put in the equation of, you know, sunlight or not, target size. You know, you have to... You know, uphill, downhill, shooting across a valley, shooting behind brush, shooting, you know, it's just, I've seen a lot, you know, I've stood there and pounded paper with the best we have to offer. And I enjoyed all of it. Archery is just a phenomenal sport. But my favorite is 3D, and I still think that's the ultimate test. It's just, it's more than just standing in a heated arena on level ground shooting a three-inch circle at 20 yards. Yeah, I agree with that. It It's the best practice, especially for everybody that says, I just want to become a better hunter. I don't think there's a better place to practice than at 3D tournaments. Because like you Absolutely. said, you get everything. You get range estimation, target size. Uh, I, I'm shooting a winter league right now that's outdoors. It's cold as snot, you know. Um, you it, it mentally and you know, mentally and physically test your equipment. And that's what I like about it. That's why I tell everybody why I shoot 3D. I don't shoot 3D to, sure, I like being, you know, upper first, second, or third place in my state, but I do it more so to make sure my equipment is good for hunting season. You bet. Yeah. No, that's the reason I got into it. I mean, I love competition, I always have, but I never was, you know, an athlete, you know, through high school. Uh, you know, I like to play different sports, but I mean, for me, you know, three days where it's at, I mean, it's just, you know, I, it kept me in tune. Uh, and you can put fake pressure on yourself at home in your backyard, but still, until you get out on a 3D course and somebody else has set and you see that target for the very first time, and you got to do range estimation, uphill, downhill, target size. You know, a lot of 3D places I go to, they'll have a elevated platform. You you know, you shoot out of sometimes, not always, but sometimes. But it's just, you know, it's, it's great practice, and you know, just getting. You know, me and my daughter did it for years. Now she's grown and adult and married and doing her own thing. But uh, I mean, it was it was a lot of a lot of great fun for us. Yeah, no, it's fun. I'm hoping here eventually that it grows into a sport. It's not, I don't think it'll ever be as big as compound archery, but um, I hope the sponsors and the money, and I mean, you guys are doing a great job with sponsoring events um, as far as CD archery goes, but I I hope to see more companies do that because then you're going to start bringing people out of the woodworks. because at this point, you're really not winning anything, except maybe your gas money back. Um, That's wrong. Going to go events. You know, I've always, I've always said, you know, you'll never make, you'll never make a living shooting archery. You, you can easily spend a living, but uh, you know, the, the the problem that I see that's holding back 3D, more 3D people, more people getting into 3D is the way some of these organizations, like IBO, ASA does a little better job, it is so not spectator friendly. You know, with IBO, the way they have their ranges set up, you know, doing the shoot downs help at either Trad Worlds or, you know, the the standard events of IBO. ASA, they do some shoot downs, which helps get the crowd involved and uh, gets people more interested. But, you know, when you have IBO that has no way 
for spectators to be on the course watching the archers, their favorite archer, shoot, you know, different animals. It's just, I think, you know, we need to go back and rethink how we set the courses up uh, to be more spectator friendly. I mean, I know it'll never be like a tennis match or a football game. No, but, but we could do a better job than we're doing now. Yeah, I think like if you did it at a, a golf course, you know, kind of made it like that. Um, or like OPA is starting to do a pretty good job at, at getting it opened up like that. Yes. Um, yeah, and ASA does a good job. You know, a lot of times they'll go, they'll have a road, and I mean, it could be just a road going through the woods. Yeah, fire break. Yeah. Uh, even a fire road. Yeah. And, you know, you'll have 10 targets on the right-hand side. You cross over, and you shoot 10 targets back. And, you know, the, the, the spectators or family members can be right there standing in the middle of the road when the archers are off each side. And, you know, that's how you get young archers. Well, that's how you get their parents. The parents is who's got the money. Yeah. It ain't the archer. The archers are broke. The parents is who has the money. That's how you get dad involved and shooting archery whether he's a hunter or not that's how you get mom involved and you know she's watching her kids uh, compete you know because most parents can't compete in soccer or baseball or football or none of that but archery I mean it's open to all ages yeah no I I definitely want to see it get pushed out more and for this winter league I made it a goal I'm, I'm trying out this I'm trying this training schedule to see how much I can improve over the next three months with this outdoor season. And I'm shooting in the compound class. So I'm the only longbow in this compound class. It's a known class, so but it's a, okay. it's a 35 yard max. Um, right. And it, it's basically their hunter class, just known. And I'm doing it, one, just to really challenge myself and two, to put a longbow out in front of these compound guys and say, you know, you can be eight to ten ring accurate, you know, seventy five percent of the time with exactly something, you know, as as simple as a, a longbow or a recurve. You know, I had a couple guys at Lancaster last year come up to me, and these were compound guys, and I mean, they had every single piece of equipment you have ever imagined in your life hanging off of their bow. And we get through shooting the first day, and this guy walks up to me and he said, hey, he said, what do I got to do to get involved in bare bow? I said, well, lay the compound down and get serious about shooting the bare bow. He said, well, man, I love to hunt. I said, well, you don't have to hunt with a bare bow. But I said, trust me, once you get serious and get your accuracy and your method and all that, I said, you will want to hunt with a bare bow. Trust me. I said, why are you wanting to give up compound? He said, this was at Lancaster. He said, my third shot, I missed the X. And he said, mom. No kidding. He said, yeah. He said, my weekend's over. He said, I might as well go home. Yeah, that's the one downside to Vegas shooting. It it's a game of, I mean, especially for the compound world, it's a game of not missing. That's right. You can't miss. You miss, you miss one X, and next thing you know, your your whole weekend's over. Yeah. Everything you've practiced for for the last four months or six months, whatever it's been, you know, you have a bobble, and but to my knowledge, they they have totally switched over to barebow. They was coming to Lancaster this year. Of course, it got canceled. But, uh, you know, I've talked to this guy several times since then, and he's, he's asked some tuning questions and sighting questions and different things about barebow. So I hope he's, you know, made the switch. Yeah, and that's one thing, you know, for a lot of compound guys. It, it's hard, but it's not that hard. You know, once you figure out a method, pick a method and stick with it, you know. And, and one thing that's, that's right. really cool about our community is that you can talk to you or anybody anywhere, and their advice is free. You know, it's not like advice is free. 
Yep. Yeah, it's not like your Levi Morgan, which, you know, the guy's a busy man, um, but those kind of people are a lot harder to get in front of to talk to versus guys in Barabow or the triad community. That's right. You know, when I first started in Barabow, you know, uh, everybody was hush-hush. And this was back in 2008 or nine. You know, it wasn't no videos on YouTube about how to shoot. It wasn't no free advice. If it was, it was wrong, uh, intentionally wrong. Uh, you know, nobody would, you know, everybody was a secret. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the big guy back then that kept winning everything was Rick Welch. He won some stuff. Jim Powell won a tremendous amount of stuff back then. And Jim has always helped me. Jim's always been a, a dear friend of mine. And he'll help you any way he can. Uh, but for the most part, you know, over the last six to eight years, I mean, Barabow has, you know, basically been an open book. I mean, I've called, you know, John Dimmer up and asking questions about stuff. I've called Ben Rogers up and asking questions and Red Sarms and Gary McCain and just ask them and say, hey, man, I'm having this problem. You know, can you help me? And they're always willing to talk to you and help you in any way they can. Yeah, there, there's so many good people in our community. That, that's something that that's something I guess we can I can take away from it. You know, since we aren't that big, you know, nobody's blown up to the point where we're, we're better than that. You know what I mean? We all have, there's always seems to be time to, to find ways to help people. Right. Yeah. We always, for the most part, you know, we, we, about anybody in Barabow will help. Help you out. Is there, is there anything when it comes to competitive archery that you'd like, I mean, you said make it more of a spectator sport, which I agree on. I think that'd be a great way to do it. Um, anything else you'd like to see change, like further yardages or uh, less classes or more classes? You know, me and uh, Levy Bryant was just talking the other day from IBO. Uh, they done away with a few classes this year. Okay. Uh, and it's good. You know, IBO has always been accused of having too many classes. Uh, you know, but we try to please everybody. These organizations are in a tough spot. You know, they try to create as many classes as needed but they still don't want to end up with you know a thousand shooters and 300 classes right you know but I would like to see a little bit longer distance you know years ago IBO had a master class that was available at some of the standalone traditional events uh, I think their max distance on 3D was out to 40 yards. Man, that'd be awesome. What, yeah. What? So what? Yeah. What got rid of that? Is it just lack of participation? Lack or? of participation. Yeah. Man, that, that year, uh, Jim Powell won it, and that year it was only three people shot in it. And to be honest with you, it would go over much better today than it did back then. Back then, it was none of this free advice. Nobody talked about a method. Nobody had YouTube videos that showed you how to get more accurate, yeah. how, how you got a better tune, how you, you know, uh, set a bow up, you know, to favor, you know, in your favor, so to speak. Uh, now, with all the free advice, I mean, I've killed deer before at 40 yards. I mean, 40 yards ain't that big of a deal. It's the same shot you execute at five yards as you do at 40. Yeah. Uh, well, that that helped me in Alaska because I went up there with the older mentality and just instinctive and no rangefinder, and I missed a ton of caribou. Um, <laughs> but I, I went online and I saw uh, gap shooting, and I figured out what my 50-yard gap was, and I... I hit my first caribou after that, you know, it's, um, it's awesome. And the thing that's cool about 3d, it's foam, you know, like that's what a lot of people forget. It's foam. It, it it doesn't bleed. It doesn't run. You know, it's, it's just, (laughs) right. It's just target, you know, the only, 
the only uh, anxiety you create is the stuff inside of yourself. It's, um, yeah, I wish. I mean, th these bows are so much more capable, especially on a target level. Uh, I, I would love to see that come back. That would be truly cool to see. I don't, I don't know what we got to do to get that back. And I think it would open it up to a lot of the Western guys because that's how they hunt. That's how they've always hunted, you know? Oh, and, yeah. 40 yards ain't nothing to them guys. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, mean you know, when you're hunting, because I go out west every year and bird hunt, you, you, it's easy out there to see a 1,000 yards. I mean... You know, 40, 50 yards ain't nothing. You know, we all carry a rangefinder. If you don't, you're crazy. Yeah. You can buy a rangefinder for 100 bucks or less. I don't go in the woods. If I'm bow hunting, I don't go in the woods without a rangefinder. Yeah, me neither. Not anymore. And it, you know, I think you owe it to the animal Yeah. of getting the best shot you possibly can. And, you know, if you miss, normally with a target, the speed that we shoot with the weight, hunting weight arrow that we shoot, you know, most of us are shooting at least a 500 grain arrow to hunt with. And, you know, if you shoot an animal at 30, you think it's 30, and it's 35, you know, you're going to either totally miss, which is the best situation, yeah, or you're going to shoot it low in the guts or in the leg, and it's just a, uh, you know, where a rangefinder would, in just a second, a rangefinder would say 35 yards or 37 yards. Yeah, shooting, I mean, unknown classes teaches me that I need rangefinders. Correct. I, I, I mean, I'm close. You know, I'm usually within a couple yards. Yep, me too. But when you get up in the woods and you're up in a tree and if you're in a new spot especially, um, or if there's a lack of trees, you know, it, it gets tough to judge yardage. You know, um, oh, yeah, or if you have, you know, and under pressure, yeah, you know, makes it that much harder when you see a big buck coming, or a, even a doe, or a turkey, or a fox, or coyote, whatever. You know, all those animals are trophies, yeah, and you know, you owe it to the animal to do everything in your power to make a good shot, and you're not going to make a good shot shooting it. You there? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, that's cool, that master class. I'd love to see that come back. I don't know what I have to do, but you tell me what to do, and I'll do whatever I have to to make that come back. I think that would be... Yeah, we would have to get interest. We would have to get the interest back at, like, Trad Worlds is where I've seen it at. Uh, and, you know, interest is people committing to shoot a 40-yard max at you know, 3D animals, uh, which 40 yards is a long... It is. It's you know, a it's bomb. A, it's, it's, a, it's a shot. My question is, would, uh, would Twin Oaks be able to do that? That's where it was at the first time. Oh, okay. Yep, it sure was. It was just another stake behind the orange stake. Okay. I think it was maybe a green stake or whatever it was, and... I shot from the orange stake that year, but every time I seen, every time I went to my stake, I would look back and see how far behind the master class stake was. And it was, uh, sometimes it was a poke. I mean, sometimes it was another 10 or 12 yards. Sometimes it was three or four yards. Right. It was always behind my stake. And, you know, sometimes it just looked like it was out there a mile. But... I wasn't a very good shot back then either, so everything looked like a mile. Yeah. No, I'd love to see that. I mean, I, I think with with today's generation of shooters, I think we would just have to find a way to, to get everybody together and, uh, like, you know, get people to commit to that, you know. Um, yep. But I think that would be super fun. It is. And, you know, the... Uh... You know, this, this World Archery 3D event coming up in 2022, uh, next year, uh, in Italy, you know, I, I would like to talk about that just for a second and yeah. try to create some more interest. You know, we got the trials that happens in April or May next year. And, you know, the guys that are wanting to participate. That's 2022, right? 
you know, trying to make it financially affordable for almost anybody. Uh, that way we don't have to leave any of our best archers at home because of the financial commitment. How, uh, how big of a team is that that goes over there? It's a 24-person team. Now, for trad, for the single-strain shooters, you have three men barebow, three women barebow. Then you have three men longbow, three women longbow. And then they have a class they call instinctive, which is a wood riser. Uh, you pretty much got a gap. You can't string walk. Uh, of course, no clickers, and you know your bows have to fit through the. But there's basically uh, three times six. There's eighteen. There's eighteen trad archers that will go to Italy and represent. USA. Is that going to be for 2022? Is that when that is? It's supposed to have been 2021. It's supposed to have been this year. But because of COVID, it got backed up to 2022. Uh, but yeah, the, the uh, trials is probably going to end up being in London, Kentucky again. Is, and you have to qualify to make the team. Is that going to be this year or is that going to be next year? No, the trials is going to be May of next year. All right, May of 2022? Correct. Okay. So we've got another, we've got a solid year plus to get the team ready. And, you know, me and Fall, the reason we're doing these boot camps is, you know, exposing people that's never shot World Archery. You know, we're exposing them to our experiences. Uh, you know, last year at the boot camp, we had five mentors that had been to World Archery. The last one that was in France in 17 or in 19 when we all went to Canada. You know, me, Fawn, Calvin, Ken Rainus, John Winker, Randy Irvine. There's actually six of us at boot camp that have been over there and shared our experiences and, you know, the good, the bad, and, you know, just trying to build. It's all about building a better team for Team USA. No, I, that's awesome. I think that's a great thing to do. What uh, Are those, like, Mackenzie or Reinhardt targets? When I was watching a video, I think they looked like they were almost made over there, like a different type of target. You know, when we went to France... It was a different target. It was called Nature Foam. Okay. That was a target, a 3D target that was built there in the area. That uh, was not a good target. Okay. Uh, paint jobs didn't match. Uh, it was all just part of the experience. Uh, you know, uh, we had a we had three targets set up at the practice range when we got there. And when they blew the whistle that we could start practicing, no joke, in five minutes, those three targets had no, would no longer stop your arrow. The foam was so bad. We shot a hole in this little diker deer in five minutes. And that's 30, 40, 50 shots, no joke. I mean, just tremendously bad targets uh, in Canada this past year they was all Reinhardt's okay. so, you know, that's a phenomenal target you yeah. know, Reinhardt, McKenzie, that's as good as it gets uh, but in Italy there's an archery uh, there's a 3D target company in Italy called SRT that is only built in Italy and that's the target we'll be using. We've tried to purchase a set of those targets and we have not been successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of geek up, geek out about this stuff, but is there any consistency with those targets that you know of? You know, like with ASA, you can generally, the 10 rings three to five inches, you know, depending on the size of the target. Um, 
But with those, have you been able to see any consistency with anything, or are they all whatever they make it? The, the, the nature foam was no consistency whatsoever. You know, you walked up to the stake, and before, well, before you got to the stake, there was a sheet of paper under clear glass that you looked at the target, and you would see the paint job that was on the target, and then you would reference off of the paint job to where the tin ring was, or you could glass it with your binoculars, which is what you should have done. But the paint job that was on the paper under the glass half the time didn't even match the paint job that was on the actual animal. Yeah. So we've seen very little consistency in those targets, a tremendous amount of inconsistency. Huh. Yeah. But who uh who sets up SRT is a much better target. Who who sets up the the qualifier? Is that USA Archery? Is that who does that? No, well, USA Archery and ASA kind of partner together to do the qualifier. Oh, so that's going to be at the the London, Kentucky ASA shoot then? Correct. Oh, okay. All right. So that makes it super easy. Yep. And it may not be in London, Kentucky. It may be somewhere else. Last year, it was in London, Kentucky. Uh, The first year, it was in Metropolis, Illinois. Uh, I hope it goes back to London, Kentucky, because it's just so much more central for the people that want to shoot. Yeah, I, I love ASA. I mean, I've shot quite a bit of IBO. Um, there, I'm not going to say ASA just feels more professional of a shoot, but um, sometimes it does feel that way versus some of the IBOs I've been to. Um, it is. You know, the difference between IBO and ASA, ASA has the manpower to cut their own lanes, to lay out their own courses, to set their targets and set their stakes, and run the whole event. Every event they go to, they have the same crew that does all that. Where IBO depends upon the host club to do all that. Some clubs do a phenomenal job. Most clubs for IBO do a really good job. Some don't. Right. Uh, you know, Twin Oaks has always done a ph- phenomenal job. Yeah, I love that IBO. place. You know, Larry Cade with Pipestem does a great job. Bill Whitman's club out of Pennsylvania, they do a phenomenal job. I've been to a few IBO shoots that... Uh, you know, archery clubs is a lot like church. You got ten percent of the people doing a hundred percent of the work. Yeah. No, I feel you on that one. Uh, so to go back to the USA archery team, so it's going to be at a some ASA qualifier next year. Um, are those is that WA rules? Yes. Yep. WA World Archery Rules. There will be an equipment inspection. Uh, it'll be bare bow, long bow, and uh, instinctive. That way, nobody uh, equipment inspection will become will come first before anybody gets to shoot. Of course, that way, nobody's shooting an illegal setup that will, can only be disqualified. But inspection will always be first, and we can get get everybody in spec. That way, when they shoot, their score can count. Now, when so I haven't shot any of those qualifiers for that. Is it basically just you show up, you shoot the ASA shoot, and your score is what qualifies you? No, no, is it this a different? Is separate ranges. Oh, cool. Yep, totally separate ranges. Not even the same days as ASA. Oh, okay, cool. Last year, I think it was Thursday and Friday qualifier. You shoot twenty-four targets on day one, two arrows each. Day two, you pair group. So based on day one scores, on day two, you were with the closest people that shot the same score you did. And you're in peer groups on day two to shoot 24 targets, 
two arrows each. And there's no shoot downs, none of that stuff. It's all about, you know, the top three scores in each division wins. I like that, two arrows per target. That's cool. Yes. Kind of gives you a chance to make up for a, for a bad one if, if you underestimated the range or something like that. That's right. I dig that. Was there how how was the turnout last year when they did it or the year before? Both both years. It turned out the first year because it just kinda snuck up on everybody and really didn't get announced and we announced it as much as we could, but a lot of people didn't hear about it. The first year was okay. Last year was really good. And I expect next year to be even better. Especially now that we're raising money where it's not cost of the archer a fortune. I, I think that's I, I, crazy. I, I think that's crazy that there's not... I mean, who... who Like, uh, do you guys fall under USA or, like, who, or ASA? Like, what does it fall under as far as... Is it, it's is it, USA Archery. Okay. Man, I yep, can't no, believe they don't USA put USA Archery, and those people, they just don't care about 3D. I mean, you could, you know, you could find someone, because we had this happen, you could find a company willing to donate $50,000 to the USA 3D Archery team. If they sent it to USA Archery, they would dictate where that $50,000 went to. And trust me, it would not be the USA Archery 3D team. Uh, you know, he would go to, you know, he'd go to Brady Ellison or that 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 group of guys, so to speak. Yeah. But no, it's total self-funded. You know, you pay for your uniforms, you pay for your airfare, your hotels, meals, and it's you know it gets it gets expensive. Sure. Yeah. No. I... There's ways to do it that that we can make it more affordable. But that's the reason we're doing these boot camps. You know, me and Fawn's doing the boot camps uh, with the help of a lot of other people. And are you guys doing another one this year? And trying to help people out. Are you guys going to throw another boot camp this year? Yep. Yep. Boot camp is probably going to end up being in May this year. Okay. And you know, we need a really good turnout there. Uh, I bought the boot camp from the push you know Matt and Tim uh, Matt came out and filmed everything and put it into a video form and they're selling it uh, for $50 and all the proceeds they donate right back to the to the uh, the archers so so far this year they've donated over $1,200 awesome back yeah. to Team USA which is phenomenal Good deal. Yeah, no, and it's fifty bucks for you guys listening is dirt cheap for the for the knowledge that you're going to be getting. Um, oh, it is. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a uh, you know, it's it's the, uh, the boot camp is absolutely the most rewarding thing I've ever been involved in. I mean, when you see guys that have been to the IBOs and ASAs and never been as successful as they wanted. And they come to boot camp, and you tweak their form just a little bit, or you talk to them. And I mean, these are all very good archers, you know, that have proven, you know, it ain't all about form. You know, you can watch me shoot and realize real quick, he don't have great form, and I'm the first one to admit it. You know, my form is not like a lot of other people. It's a lot better than me. But I still manage to find a way to win or be very successful shooting paper, shooting indoors, or anything else. And, you know, when you get to spend the whole weekend with guys like John Winker or Ken Reynas or Fawn or Calvin or Randy or Jim, and you can, you know, pick their brain apart on how they judge distance and how they set their bow up. I mean, you're spending a whole weekend with them guys on the 3D course 
you know, they'll shoot with you, they'll take you out and shoot 10 targets with you. I mean, we was there last time till you know, early that morning till way up in the night uh, trying to help people with tuning issues and, you know, different things. No, that's awesome what you guys are doing. I mean, I mean, the equivalent would be, I don't know, having a pro NFL team going to a high school and sitting with them for a weekend. I mean, it's it's awesome what you guys that's are doing. Right. Yep. I mean, that's, you know, we, we have actually, you know, just cherry-picked the best 3D archers that we could find. And this year, we're going to bring back several of the people that was there last year. And we want to add a few more. Uh, we're hoping to add about three new people. And, you know, may not see a couple come back. Uh, and then bring on some new people to get a fresh idea. And... You know, we're going to we're going to do Sunday. This is a Saturday Sunday event. You know, Sunday we're going to try to utilize every mentor that we have, either out on the range in a tuning seminar, head-to-head competition. You know, maybe shooting out of an elevated platform, shooting uphill, downhill. You know, just try to make it as absolutely packed, full of good, solid information. Are you, where are you guys doing it this year? Same place. Out in, uh, right outside of Columbus, Ohio. It's uh, Fawns Club. Okay. No, I look forward to hearing more about this when it gets closer. Um, I, for anyone listening, if you, realistically, if you want to be the best, you got to shoot with the best and that's right that's the place to do it you know i mean there's only so much information that you can do or learn online and it might be a simple tweak of words from one of these guys that makes something click in your brain and uh yep it's all yep, that's so true i mean it's just normally it ain't the big it normally ain't the big things you know it's not because you're snap shooting it's not because you're you know just a train wreck trying to shoot a bow. Normally, it's just the little bitty things. It's just you know you're you know you're not quite getting the anchor. You're not in good alignment, or you're having a hard time. You know you're missing yardage, or you don't quite understand the gap method or the string walking method. And I mean, a lot of this stuff is just second nature to these mentors that'll be there. Yeah, no, it's it's good, you know, because. I try to put out good videos and stuff like that, but some people, I mean, learn a little bit differently than others. And if you're there explaining it, you know, and obviously if I, if I had somebody in front of me, I would explain it a little bit differently than I would do it on a video. Um, and that's just because I would, I would know you then, you know, I would, I would know your personality and what your learning style is versus just trying to that's put right. info out to the masses. So I think that's great what you guys are doing. And it's cheap too, right? It's not, it's, like it's a, cheap. It's, it's like cheap bucks, this year. Right? The uh, you know it's all day Saturday, maybe even a little bit Friday evening. All day Saturday, at least half a day on Sunday. Uh, the cost this year is going to be one hundred and fifty dollars per person. Okay. And I mean, you know, to go to a coach or some of these other places, or even buy something offline, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars don't go far. Right. And, uh, yeah, so for anyone out there listening, it's dirt cheap. And I'm going to throw it out there just like I did for Trad Worlds last year. Dwayne, I'm going to be calling you here later this afternoon and probably giving you my money. Um, okay. I'm going to get a hotel room, and if somebody just needs help affording a hotel room, I'm going to have an extra bed. So yep. I did that for Trad right. Worlds last year, and, you know, somebody picked me up on it, which was awesome, and it's good to see people get out there. So. Oh, it is. And, yeah. you know, this... This uh, Fawns Club has primitive camping available. Oh, I'll bring my there's camper. A, cool. Yeah, there's a bathhouse. I mean, they just got, you know, if you want to bring a tent. We had a lot of guys that camped in tents, and I, I camped last year. I got a camper, and I brought my camper out there and set it up, and uh, we had a great time. Calvin brought his camper, and, you know, we got through shooting, and we all went back to the camper, and some of the guys come over, and we stood around till. 11 or 12 o'clock one night talking about you know just everything under the sun and 
was it was good. It was I, I recommend it. Good deal. Well, we're, we're just past the hour mark, and this is kind of where I I cut them a little bit. But I, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate everything that that you've put out there uh, with USA Archery and just you know the ins and outs of everything. Learning about the master class, I thought that was super cool and. It makes me feel better about our sport. I don't know what happened to us, and uh, I hate to say it like that, but we dove down to a 25 or 20 and under, you know, stigma. But hearing about that 40-yard class just made me perk up a little bit. And uh, yep, yep, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Yep, thanks, Daniel. Good talking to you. You too. Be safe. Yep, you too. Thanks. Yep, thanks. Bye bye. Yeah.